Welcome, welcome to the Exchange for the Exchange podcast, where we exchange ideas about current events, pop culture, and theology. And live. we are on air, boys. Okay. You are live. For the record, <laughs> Josh Pinnell is laughing. Nikolai Carpathia. <laughs> so gentle. <laughs> wow. I don't even know what Alex is going to say at this point. All right, welcome to the Exchange podcast. It's good to be with you for episode three. The Revenge of the Sith. Just kidding. Just episode three. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Josh Pinnell and Daniel Lopez, my esteemed co-host. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just living the dream, man. I wonder how many eps it'll take for you to stop saying that. I can't even tell you how many requests I've gotten for t-shirts already that say the <laughs> podcast. And then at the bottom it says, "I'm living the dream." I can't. I can't even tell you. Listening to the dream. Listening to the dream. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a full. We got a full show tonight for you guys, um, and we need to get to the to the topics quickly. But as you guys know, a soon-to-be blockbuster film mm. has hit the silver screen. Rogue One. <laughs> Um, have you guys seen it? No. No. I have been invited to see it, and I turned that invitation down. The invitation was an invitation that my wife was not able to make it to as well, so uh, I decided to see the movie with her later. Good man. Wow, better than yeah. an infidel, Alex. Oh. You know what? That just really means a lot coming from uh, coming from you, Daniel. Yeah, I'm not married, but I I think I have really good advice. For married couples, young parents. I mean this with, with the with the most amount of sincerity. That of all the people that I know, you are the most qualified, unqualified person I've ever met. Thank you, Alex. And no, 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 no. We all know you have to be married for, you know, three years before you and your wife can write that marriage book. You have to have your 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 first child has to be at least a year and a half old before you can write your first parenting book. Uh, that you and your your you and your wife both co-write, and I think Daniel's just not ready. Yes, yes, but notice <clears throat> the most unqualified qualified person. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, um, to me. Rogue, Rogue One. Back to the back to the issue. Uh, so, in the spirit of Star Wars, in the spirit of I wanted to test your guys's. Star Wars trivia metal. All right. Um, questions, okay? Well, this is going to separate the men from the boys. Um, <laughs> I probably knew, let me think, probably three of these. Definitely three of these. Okay, question number one. In how many languages is C-3PO fluent in? Uh, 200 languages, Alex. No. Not even close. <clears throat> Isn't it like 10 million? Not ten million. The exact quote is more than six million. Question number. You guys ready for the second question? Yes, sir. Question number two. What does ATAT stand for? You guys know what the ATATs are? Oh yeah, it's the Catwalker on Hoth. Okay, thank you. What does it stand for? It's like all-terrain something transport. Armored. All-terrain armored transport. Nice. All-terrain wow. armored transport. Well done. Okay. 
Uh, third question. What is the name of Boba Fett's ship? Uh, I would like to do Apollo 13 for 600, Alex. Uh, oh, boy. Nope. nope. Is it the Slave 1? Slave 1. The slave 1. Slave 1, like S-L-A-V-E? Yep. Wow. Okay. Who's winning right now, Alex? What's the score? Josh is winning by overwhelming. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure. <laughs> okay, question number four, and the last question for the evening. What was Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's job on the planet of Tatooine? Uh, Alex, what is a moisture farmer? Moisture farmer is the correct answer. All right, Josh wins the first episode of Jeopardy. Well done, Daniel. Mm-hmm. You need to do better. First topic of discussion, people being adamant about the phrase Merry Christmas versus the phrase Happy Holidays. Let's go with Josh first. Josh, what uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays? I work in a I work in a retail store. Okay. As a job. And it's so funny because like when I'm done selling selling furniture to them, they like look at me with this annoyed look in their face and then they look they say to me, Merry Christmas. Like like they're expecting me to be offended by that or like expecting it like expecting me to wish they didn't say that because I work in a secular environment where generally you'd hear happy holidays. And I think it's so funny that, or even like I, I observed this the other day at Kroger. Someone at Kroger says, uh, happy holidays. And, uh, there was a man who responded, Merry Christmas. You get angry about it as mm-hmm. if the way to say I'm a Christian is to adamantly respond. Merry Christmas. Thoughts, Daniel. What about you, buddy? I would have to agree with that. I work at Starbucks, and also I live in Greenville, South Carolina, which is the home base for all of those very conservative, weird attitudes. So for eight hours a day, every like most of the people I give a drink to, they say Merry Christmas. I would have to say a lot of the time they don't have an attitude, but there is. There is enough people that say it with an attitude that it's really uncomfortable. I understand the concern behind, oh, well, happy holidays. You're taking Christ out of Christmas, you know. But it, it, also, it also seems a little ludicrous, you know, as if people are having a language deficit. And I don't know that that's fair. You know, yeah. it's, as if, it's as if the other people on the other side would be saying, oh, well, I don't feel comfortable that you're saying Merry Christmas. I've never heard that. I've never seen it on TV. I've never heard it on the news. I've never seen it at work. I've never heard someone say, I don't feel comfortable with Happy Hol- with uh, Merry Christmas. But I have heard plenty of times people say, I don't feel comfortable with Happy Holidays. Like, while we want the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, and that's the end goal, and that's where the world is going. It, the, way, the way to spread... Christ's kingdom throughout the world is not to uh, get upset when people don't say Christmas who don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And we should, we should, you know what? If I have a Jewish neighbor, I want his Hanukkah to be happy. Hmm. Like I want him to have a good time with his family. 
I don't want him like, and so I'm fine saying like, happy holidays to him. I mean, I really want him to have a happy time this year. Yeah, good thoughts, man. I mean, being missional with it, um, I, you know, I kind of thought of two thoughts. The first one is, you know, maybe someone wishing a happy holidays your way is them saying Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And my second thought is it's a bit ironic that a well-wish statement has become a matter of tension mm. or a matter of an insult. Like, for, don't forget what you're doing when you say the words Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. You're wishing them well, not trying to sculpt their worldview. Um, I, I generally make it a rule of practice to say back whatever was said to me. Boys, we have an interesting second topic. Have you guys ever visited the website www.christianwrestling.com? If you have never, if you've never gone to this website, you need to go to www.christianwrestling.com. It it is interesting. It is interesting. Um, these guys have uh, taken something they love and uh, enjoy to do, and they've uh, put the bow of the gospel on it, and they travel and they tour and they perform wrestling matches and give the gospel at the end of it, attaching the gospel to whatever, you know, whatever you want to do is something that Christians do all the time. So speak to this issue a bit. I want to hear what you guys have to say. I'm going to go to Josh first on this one. I think that, uh, what they're doing is good. I think that they're reaching a certain crowd that people like me would have a harder time reaching. Like if they're able to actually do what they're saying they're doing really well uh, and share the gospel doing it, then I think that it's a good thing. I don't like it, but it's not a bad thing. Let me explain. To me, this is the equivalent of it's the it's the equivalent of a Christian camp experience, honestly. So the show comes to town, the evangelist comes to town, we all gather, we watch a wrestling match. We hear the gospel. They said that they've seen 30,000 people saved, which is fantastic. And then they leave. Now, some people will say, well, salvation is the most important thing. I understand, but where's the context for growth in that situation? Like, where's the context for accountability? You know, the context for connection. Where does that happen? That's the only critique, really, that I have, but... So the the fact that people are being saved kind of like theologically makes it unable for me to say that it's a bad thing. You know, as long as there's a way to get plugged into a local church, of course, a lot of times people get kind of hung up in what the activity is. Like we think there should be a cool activity to intrigue people into coming and then give the gospel. But uh, we just want the activity to be what we want it to be. So, like, when I was growing up uh, in our youth group, it was always, like, a big ball tournament or, like, some kind of outrageous game. I remember asking someone, like, why, why do we condemn the, the Presbyterian church down the street for having rock music to get people in? And then they preach the gospel. 
but we like get people to come in and play a game and then we preach the gospel to them. They're both doing the same thing. I don't think the the medium is something to get tripped up over. You have a very valid point. So say that there was a team of chess players and they want to use the gift of the talent that they have in the game of chess to help talk to people about Jesus. So they set up these events where they play chess and then they talk to everyone at the event about Jesus. That's a fantastic thing. And that's exactly what these people are doing with wrestling. I just don't get, I just don't, I've never understood that method of, of ministry as being the best. Do we need to make a completely separate culture and then share the gospel with people, which I think is kind of what happens with like, we need to have a big ball tournament versus a rock concert. We're creating a separate culture that no one else does. Like no one else does this, but we do it. Or do we take the culture and transform it with the gospel? And I would say like, if these people are wrestling well, they're showing dominion well, mm. they're imaging God well, they're transforming culture. And they're doing it as a, as a means of spreading the gospel. I think it's a good thing. So ChristianWrestling.com is coming to your guys' town to do a show. Um, someone has given you tickets for free. Do you go? No. No, nope. because I don't care about wrestling. Yeah. I'd be or bored. Jesus, so. apparently. Or <laughs> <laughs> Josh is Christian. So, um, yeah. So just to add a little bit of intrigue here, I completely disagree. Whoa! Whoa! Shots been fired. <laughs> I uh, I think they're, I think they're wasting their time. Um, I think they could be plugged in better, um, being more effective for ministry. Um, you know, our church has our church has a softball team. Of course, um, your church has a softball team. <laughs> of course, and, uh, and you know, I don't utilize the softball time to explicitly preach the gospel to the guys on the team or even to the guys we're playing against. Um, instead, I use it to build relationships, to make contacts. I think we need to be careful of trying to blur the lines. As And what I mean by that is Christianity on top of X uh, to somehow give us a reason to do it. I think if they want to wrestle, they can just wrestle and do it well and try to do the great commission discipleship on a personal relational level. I'm not a huge traveling preacher fan. I think when you are committing your life to a ministry, if you are not in some way radically plugged in and working through the authority of the church, in some ways you're wasting your time. You know, when I was a kid, we had a, a team come to, to, to a, a church near us, not my home church, but a church near us called the Extreme Team. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, like, pushed, like, busted their face through bricks and, like, <laughs> broke bats over their knees and, like, like set themselves on fire and, like, and dude, like, it was really cool to watch. Yeah, I don't remember the gospel. I mean, it was preached, but I don't remember what they said. I think it's okay to just play softball sometimes and, mm. and to allow that to help you build relationships to, uh, to down the road have effective, uh, effective gospel-driven discipleship. All right, topic numero three. Recently, 
the National Geographic has come out with a new issue with a picture of what a boy? It's a boy in transition. A boy in transition. They are biologically a boy, but they ident- identify uh, as a girl. And and what's their age? Nine year old. So they're glorifying nine year old boy in transition. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Daniel, let's let's get let's get from you first on this one. I think American society is not a Christian society. And in the sense that they're being consistent with the worldview, sure. As Christians, no. Yeah, it's very consistent with their worldview, which is something that I find so interesting because so many times they're not consistent. Because they, if they, if you believe in evolution, you believe things are constantly changing, then why wouldn't gender be fluid? I, uh, I think, I think um, consistent is we don't generally let nine-year-olds make critical decisions for themselves. They aren't allowed to work. They aren't allowed to enter into a contract. They aren't allowed to buy a car or to get a loan or to drink. But they are allowed to decide for themselves which gender they are transitioning into. So no, I don't I think regardless of your worldview, I think affirming a nine year old's transition is misguided at best. I don't I don't agree with this tenet of worldview. I don't agree that gender is fluid. But if I did, I would still say how how could a nine year old possibly know if they are transitioning when they don't even really understand what it means to be a boy yet or a you know or a male. That's a good argument. Josh, any other thoughts? You seem to be in deep in thought, buddy. Uh, This is just a really interesting topic to me. While you're denying traditional gender rules, in order to believe gender fluidity, you're actually relying on those traditional gender rules. Like, how does that person know that they're a girl? How do they know they feel like a girl? The only way they know is by observing what women like and what women do and saying, I like that more. And I I know it's more complicated than that. I'm not trying to say it's easy. I think, I think it's even a little bit sexist because you're assuming men are like this. Women are like this, right? Like, like what does that boy see girls doing? And then he says, girls are like that. And I'm like that. That's a great point, man. I mean, you know, they're they're working off of already defined roles and just subverting those roles. Yeah, if uh and I think kind of just building off of that, if gender was fluid fluid, this wouldn't be controversial. There would be nothing telling us that that that, that person was a boy and there would be no transition. You also have to take into account modern medicine because trans people have only been medically consistent as this transgender person for about the last hundred years that, you know, before, before the 19, the 19 teens where this kind of technology has been experimented with in Germany, people couldn't transition, but they're not arguing for biological sex. They're arguing for gender, which is separate from sex. And so like, even to say, even to make the argument from biological sex, I think undermines the view in the first place. Or even to say, like to say, I feel like I, I feel like my gender 
is female, therefore I will make my, myself biologically a woman. You're denying your very position, aren't you? For so many years, males have been exalted, you know? And I'm trying to be careful that I'm trying with what I'm about to say right now. But males have been exalted in religion, philosophy, education, music. I mean, there were some wonderful composers in the 18th century that were actually women, wonderful authors, poets that had to say that their names were the names of men just to get their stuff published. So you come into the 20th century, towards the end of the 20th century, and people are saying, wow, women can do some stuff better than men. So there's this whole movement in our society where we want, we say that we're trying to balance, you know, men and women, but we really want to exalt women almost as like, well, let's even the score in history. The one, like the trans who are very, who are famous on TV and on the news and on the national geographic cover, it's about men wanting to be women, you know? So this isn't even about tr being transgender. This is about, harmonizing with the cultural narrative that the new god is female is woman if that makes sense if if national geographic was to say that they would immediately be undermining and their own idea of gender fluid yeah, i agree with that well good thoughts boys uh definitely a topic we're gonna have to revisit in the future we have one last quick topic to to kind of converse upon uh we had our first listener input our first fan mail i might even say we put on our slippers and our in our robe we we went out into the icy icy frozen ground walked out to the mailbox and pulled out a hand stamped letter that took a long time to say alex i i, I did it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> It's cold here, man. It's cold. Well, we got we got our first feedback. Uh, Josh, do you want to read? Uh, you want to read our feedback? Alex, I would love to. Yeah, I'm I'm opening the letter right now. It's on parchment. Unroll the scroll. I'm unrolling it right now, Alex. Right now, I'm unrolling it. This is from a dear friend, one Mister. You probably don't want to have his name on here, Josh. A dear friend. Yeah. One one might call him uh, TH. <laughs> His uh, comment was the best and worst from episode two. Best, Daniel Lopez, quote, you know what? Out of 10 people listening to this, probably 10 of them would agree with me. And then worst, Daniel Lopez essentially, essentially argue, arguing that Chip and Joanna Gaines should take the mark of the beast. Don't understand that. This is not the government saying you need to shut down your show because you don't have gay people on your show. Well, you know what? That's for that's for one. Uh, and since we do not have him here, to oh man, I think I think we do need to say though. I think we do need to say that we appreciate fan mail. Definitely, oh, absolutely. We agree. And yeah. we want more fan mail. You know what we have not received yet, Alex? What's that, Josh? Alex, we have not yet received a review on iTunes. For all mm. for all of the thousands of fan letters we've received, we have not received a single review on iTunes. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. And to the first person that reviews us on iTunes, I will send 
a free book too. I will sell oh, a free book too. Dude, if they get a free copy of a Gideon Bible, they're gonna be so mad. It's not. It's not. I actually I think I know what book I'm gonna send. And it's a good resource. Well, well it has to be a good review. You give us a one star review, you're not getting anything. <laughs> there's only one thing there's only one thing we hate more than not receiving review and feedback is receiving bad feedback so yeah bad oh. feedback is anything that people disagree with us about anything people don't like about us oh bad don't feedback. do it don't do I it only want, i only want people singing our praise telling us how great we are unless unless your hate mail is just like enraged and like furious and we're able to make fun of it on the show and i think on that note boys i think it's time to close out our episode good night and good luck